0: Well, it it is indeed a pleasure to be here, really. I shared with First Service, I kind of have a connection with Community Christian Church. Uh, Several years ago, I had a student ministry when I was at Ozark, and I preached at a little church in Eve, Missouri, at Clayton Christian Church. That church didn't have a baptistry, and so anytime we had a baptism that we needed to to perform, we would call Community Christian. You guys would leave the doors open for us, and we would come here in the afternoon and and do our baptisms. And as I, earlier in the First Service, As I was worshiping, I was thinking, you know, 15 years ago this year, I had the privilege of baptizing my oldest son, Doug, when he was 8 years old, in the baptistry in this building. It was back here, I think, then... But it was neat to think of that, that just how God works. In fact, you know, he ultimately, he grew up, went to college, went to Ozark Christian College, graduated a couple years ago. He is a PRCA saddle bronc rider, and he has a ministry in that context called Make Him Famous Rodeo Ministry. But even my son Doug will tell you that he's had some success so far in his bronc riding, but he'll tell you that so much of it comes from Coach Cross. That Coach Cross, huh, thanks, Coach, Coach poured And really instructed Doug. Even though my son went to Ozark Christian College, he would come up here every Wednesday night to practice. And Coach Cross would instruct him and pour his life into him. And so, I thank you for that. He also kind of helped my youngest son Garrett when he was in high school. But Garrett decided to go to Sam Houston. Sorry, Coach. about that. (laughs) But um, our family has really been blessed by Chad and Jennifer over the years. And it's awesome to see him here and and see the rodeo team. And and just, it's, it's neat how God works. It really is. Let me pray before we go to the Word of God. Father God, I thank you so much for your love and grace. And I just thank you for the time we had to worship you as a faith community. And now as we go to your word, I pray that it would speak to us in a powerful way. And and we would not only hear it, Father, but obey it and live it out in a way that honors you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, when my brother Darren and I were kids, we loved to watch westerns. I mean, I still love watching them. And we loved to watch John Wayne cross the Rio Grande or ride through Monument Valley on the lookout for danger. I mean, that was our world. In fact, uh, growing up, we were always just into this cowboy and Indian thing, and, and every summer we had a big decision to make at the beginning of the summer. Were we going to be cowboys this summer, or were we going to be Indians? I mean, we had to make a decision because we got into it. At least, And we acted it out the way we saw it on TV. And so I remember this one summer, we decided, you know, this year, this summer, we're going to be Indians. And so we went and bought moccasins so we could walk over the twigs and they wouldn't break. You know, we could fill them and lift the pressure off of them. And and we went to Walmart and bought a bow and arrow. And we had a horse we would ride around bareback. And we got into my mom's makeup and had war paint on. I mean, we were into this whole thing. And so one day we're thinking, we just watched a John Wayne movie and we're like, if we're going to be real Indians, we need to send smoke signals. And it's like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And so my my brother gets to one end of our property and I get to the other end. And, and we even get green twigs, you know, so to smoke. And we kind of get a fire going a little bit and it's starting to smoke like that. And it was about time I needed to send the smoke signal. And I'd gotten this gunny sack out of the back of my dad's pickup. And so I go to put it on the fire. What I did not realize is you know, somehow gasoline had kind of got splashed on or whatever. Because when I put it on the fire, I mean, it flared up burnt my eyebrows up it was crazy and needless to say after that trauma I did not try to send any more smoke signals that summer and yet my fascination with smoke and fire didn't stop there When I was 18 years old, I became a firefighter for the California Department of Forestry. And during the fire season of 1981, I remember we got dispatched to this huge fire. We were in our fire station. We were station 25. The dispatcher comes over the speaker and says, station 25, station 26, station 27, fire. And then she started dispatching the engines. Engine 6171, engine 6163, engine 27, engine 26, engine 26B, battalion 6115, response onto the vegetation fire, Highway 79 and Kilman Springs Road. And I mean, we knew that was an area where the vegetation had not burnt burn off in years. And we're running out of the station. We look over to where the fire was. And we already saw this huge just cloud of smoke. And as young firefighters, we're like, yeah, this is going to be cool. And I remember we get in the fire, our fire engines, and just start responding that way. And we fought that fire that day. In fact it burnt so much. That it was kind of in a valley. In the Hemet San Jacinto Valley. That at the end of the day. There was no place in the valley. Where you could stand. Without seeing and touching. And smelling the smoke. Well the scenario. Of a smoke filled valley. Is not unique to contemporary times. Where you know Oklahoma has been burning up. And Texas and, and California. But over 3,000 years ago. On the Day of Atonement, the same scene would take place. In fact, in Second Chronicles chapter 7, it records the, the time when King Solomon dedicated the temple to God. Now, this temple dedication lasted 23 days. The, the Bible says that 22,000 calves and 120,000 sheep and goats were sacrificed. Now, think about that. If you remember your Old Testament, this is how the priests would do sacrifice. They would walk out in front of the temple and they would heat up the altar. God's altar so hot. Then they they would make a sacrifice and take really a piece of meat. And and as soon as they placed it on the altar, it would be consumed. Just whoa, and smoke would rise from the altar. The sacrifice to Jehovah God. Now, think about this. Twenty three days A hundred and forty two thousand times just smoke rising from the altar. Smoke rise from the altar, the sacrifice to Jehovah God. In fact, at the end of that time, there was no place around Jerusalem where you could not see and taste and smell the sacrifices of smoke made to Jehovah God. And I think this might be the picture the Apostle Paul wants us to think about when he writes in Romans chapter 12. That's kind of where we're going to be this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Now, he says in view of God's mercy. And this, in the Old Testament, it was mercy and hesed and love. The same word can can go into the New Testament and be God's grace, God's God's unmerited favor, which we've been talking about and, and worshiping God about this morning. In view of God's grace, offer your bodies. As living sacrifices. And the apostle Paul has just been talking about grace for 11 chapters. I mean in chapter 1 he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of all people. And then he gets to chapter 3 and he says, We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the good news is that we can be saved. We can be declared righteous in Christ by grace through faith. And he gets to chapter 4 and he says, Think of Abraham. Abraham, God chose Abraham. Abraham didn't choose God. God really chose Abraham. He called him out of Ur of the Chaldees and said, Abraham, I will bless all nations through you if you go to the land in which I'm calling you. And Abraham responded in faith. In fact, in Romans chapter 4, it says, Abraham was declared righteous because of his faith. And Paul just continues through the book of Romans. In chapter 6, he says, Don't you know that when you were baptized like we just saw, You were baptized into Christ's death, but you were raised again to new life. That you experienced the grace of God, this unmerited favor, forgiveness that you really don't deserve. Because Christ paid this price. And he says, therefore, in view of that, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. You see, under the new covenant, we, the church, are the temple of God's spirit. And when we live in sacrificial and loving ways, we send smoke signals of God's love to our community community. And to the heavens. In fact it was the witness of Christians living. In a self-sacrificial way that God has used to stir my faith over the years. When my wife and I were first married. We joined a young married Sunday school class. With about 15 young couples. I mean all pretty much in their 25 and under. I mean just young twenty, Early 20s. And that class was Crazy. And their commitment to God. We were, we were members of that class for a few months. And I remember Matt and Terry Sconce stood up in class. This young couple with two young kids. Really one was like an eight month old baby. And they say you know, they just shared. We feel God calling us to the jungles of New Guinea. To preach the gospel of grace. And, and they were like whoa. We were like, okay, well, they sold everything they had and went to New Guinea. In fact, the next year, the church sent a bunch of men over there to build them a house in the jungle. And I'm thinking to myself, man, these people are serious about this Jesus thing. And I remember a couple months later, Mark and uh, G- uh, Jerry Henry shared that God was calling them to plant a church and they left everything they had and went and did that. And a few months later, Norman Stephanie Foster kind of left the state so went to Ecuador and A few months after that, Francisco and Shuriel went and worked as missionaries in the mountains of Mexico. And the one that really got me was Marcel and Debbie Flint. I used to sit next to Debbie in eighth grade Spanish class. And just in school, I kind of known her all through school. And I remember the day they stood up in class and said they were selling everything they had. They had built built their dream house for cash in their early 20s. And they sold it all to go work in a missionary training institute in Michigan. I mean, God used that Sunday school class to challenge my faith, to stir me out of my comfort zone. And even to this day, when I think about their lives and know what they're doing, when I think of that class, I see smoke rising from the altar. It's a sacrifice to Jehovah God. See, God used that Sunday school class to stir me. When I was a student at Ozark Christian College, my wife and I served as residence directors at the time and and uh, I remember the first day I saw Elisa. She was a freshman at Ozark Christian College. She was one of those beautiful girls that all the guys wanted to date. And, and yet she was not only beautiful on the outside, she was beautiful on the inside. And, and over time, she became friends with my wife. She would come over to her dorm apartment and they would just, you know, pray together and just kind of study the word and talk about God. And, and Elisa had such a passion for God. In fact... I remember that next spring semester, she comes running to our dorm apartment so excited because she was going to Africa for the summer. She had been invited over to work in an AIDS hospital. And she was not a nurse. No, no. Her job was going to be to bandage and clean the oozing sores of AIDS patients. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. But I was like, oh, oh, what a blessing. (laughs) She went over there, was there for that summer. I remember she comes back in the fall. And she shares about the challenges, but how the, what the blessing that she experienced. And in fact, even to this day, when I think of Elisa, when I look at her life and how she serves God, I see smoke rising from the altar as a sacrifice to Jehovah God. See, God has taught me over the years that comfortable Christianity is an oxymoron, for Christianity is a call to a life, a life of discipleship and sacrifice, to go wherever God calls or leads in this life, to do whatever he will, would ask you to do. In fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse 33, in the same way, any one of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. We are called to be a living sacrifice, to wake up every day and offer our lives to God. I mean, sometimes I kind of fall into this, you know, everything's about me, like this is me and this is the world and it's my hopes and my dreams and my wants and that's not the call of scripture. It's God, what do you want me to do? It's about bringing glory to God. You know, one of the classes I teach at the college is called Christian Life. Uh, The first time I ever taught it was in the fall of 2003. I taught it on a Tuesday night. And I remember, um, I had 17 students in that class, and the first, kind of the first day of class, I have everybody kind of sit in a circle, and i just ask them, share your testimony, why are you at Ozark Christian College? And, and you have some of the normal responses you might expect. One person was like, I was at Christ and Youth Conference this last summer, and I really feel God calling me into missions, and so that's why I'm here. And someone else was like, I was at Sciocomo Camp, and, and I really felt God calling me to be a youth minister, and I've wanted to do that ever since junior high, and, and that's why I'm here. And we go around the circle we get to a 27 year old guy named Boney from zimbabwe and i'm like Boney, why are you at Ozark christian college and he's like it's a long story and i'm like well give us the short version and he's like well several years ago in fact when i was 15 an evangelist came to my country from america and preached the grace of god and the gospel and i accepted christ as my savior and then he said a couple years ago though i was just you know living out my life a couple years ago I was sleeping and I had a vision. This is what he's sharing with us. And all I saw in my vision were the English characters of the alphabet. O-Z-A-R-K. Ozark. He goes, I had never heard of Ozark Christian College. I had never been to America. Didn't have any connection with Ozark Christian College. It was just weird to me. He goes, I woke up in the morning and shared it with my wife and, and also my sister-in-law was living with us at the time and she was like, Boney, that's weird because I had a dream last night that maybe God was calling you to America. He goes, so I go down to an internet cafe, get on a search engine and eventually I come to the page of Ozark Christian College. He goes, I'm reading down and I see how expensive it is and I'm like, no, too expensive, I can't go. He goes, but it wouldn't leave me and so I called the only guy I knew in America, that evangelist. ...who had no connection with the college... ...but he called them, shared his vision... ...and the evangelist said, "Bonnie, if you can get a visa... ...I'll sponsor you to come to America... ...so you can study. Now you guys, listen, this was in the fall of 2003... ...the vision was two years earlier in in, in 2001... ...he said it was right after September 11th... ...nobody was getting a visa from Zimbabwe... ...to come to America... He goes, I applied out of 17 people in my village. I was the only one that got a visa. He said, my wife and my little girl, we were so excited to come to America to study and to be here. And this is August. But he goes, but this last March, my, my wife died giving birth to our second child. And so now my two girls are back in Zimbabwe with my mom. And I'm here to study God's word, to take it back to Zimbabwe, to preach the grace of God to my people. That's why I'm here at Ozark Christian College. And we're all like... Uh, Whoa, that's intense. I mean, I always felt sorry for the next guy. Uh, I'm from Oklahoma, I just always wanted to come. <laughs> you know, what do you say after that? And yet, even to this day, when I think of Boney and his ministry and look at his life, I see smoke rising from the altar as a sacrifice to Jehovah God. And that's the question we need to answer this morning is this. What kind of sacrificial smoke signals are we sending? When we interact with our family, when we drive, when we eat at restaurants, when we work at our jobs, when we participate in the faith community, when we compete, what kind of smoke signals are we sending? Are we living sacrificial lives to God? Maybe we're just sending up little puffs of smoke, maybe none at all. Oh, I wish I could say I always send up these great smoke signals of God's love and sacrifice, but that's not the case. See, too often life is all about me and my goals and my wants and my desires. And you can't find that in the scripture. See, it's all about God's goals for you and God's wants and God's desires for you. Okay. We're, we're, we're to deny ourselves and follow Christ. And see, when I live selfishly like that, Thinking how God can bless me. Instead of how I can serve him. I'm sinning. I'm not living the life that God desires. And thus I'm not sending up these smoke signals to God. And yet whatever sin we might be struggling with. Because of the grace of God, he invites us to place it on the altar. To be consumed as an offering to him. In fact, in verse 2, Paul writes, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, the apostle Paul is saying, don't continue in the same old pattern of sin. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm prone to the pattern of this world. I mean, if I'm not actively pursuing God, you know how I often say you can only coast downhill? If I'm not actively pursuing God, I'm kind of getting slowly further away. And what happens is I just make life all about me. I settle into a life of acquisition, just working towards getting the next thing that I think I need and living at a level of spirituality that just gets me by But see, Scripture says that's not good enough. God desires transformation, that you become a different and more godly person. And that is a lifelong process. You don't retire from living a godly life. Sometimes we can have that attitude. You know what? I've done enough. Time for someone else to do something around here. But we don't retire from living a godly life. In fact, in verse 3, Paul would write, For by the grace given me... I say to every one of you. See we have grace. So really you didn't earn it. God gave it to you. He says. Then do not think of yourself. More highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself. With sober judgment. In accordance with the measure of faith. God has given you. Once again this life is not about you. It's not about us. It's all about God. You will find your purpose in life. When you serve and worship him. That's why Jesus said. If you want to find your life. Lose it. The the first will be last. You know, if I was talking just to the rodeo team, I'd be like, you know, God might have a bless- blessing for you, but you're going to have to ride through the rank pen. It's not just a bunch of hoppers in this life. I mean, so, you know, really, every time, if you want to be crowned with what God has for you, there's going to be struggles. That's the call. But, and, and here's the thing. How we live this life, we focus on the fundamentals. We, focus on the, we don't focus on the end goal. We focus on the fundamentals. Serving God, living for God. Honoring God, and the rest will take care of itself. That's really what it's saying here in Scripture. We live as a living sacrifice, and God will bless us if we seek the blessing. It will always be elusive. We have to deny ourselves first. I've really been influenced by the writing of Jim Elliot. He was a missionary killed January eighth, nineteen fifty six, with four other guys trying to take the gospel to the Alca Indians in Ecuador. And it's a cr- compelling story. He was 28 when he was martyred. I mean, they were just, it was a crazy. But what really challenged me was reading his journals. They published his journals after his death. When he was 19 years old, he was a college student at Wheaton College in Illinois. And he's praying and journaling through scripture. And, and he writes this, he's commenting on this idea of a living sacrifice. And he notes a verse that we often sing, Psalm 100 verse 4. In fact, you have it, it's painted on the, in your foyer right outside those doors if you look left. Psalm 100 verse 4 that says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. But then he notes the context. He says, do you know the note the verse that comes right before verse 4 verse 3 says this? Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And thus he comments this. What are those sheep doing going into the gate? What is their purpose inside those courts? To bleat melodies and enjoy the company of the flock? No, those sheep were destined for the altar. Their pasture feeding had been for one purpose, to test them and fatten them for bloody sacrifice. Give him thanks then that you have been counted worthy of his altars. Enter into his work with praise. You know what? After I read that, I always sing that song a little differently. Every time I'm singing, I will enter his courts with thanksgiving and, and his gates with praise. And I'm always thinking, are you willing to do? Are you thankful to be that sacrifice, Doug? Because that's what the scripture is calling us to. The great Christian devotional writer, A.W. Tozer, once wrote this. He said, I used to think that God's gifts were stacked on shelves, one above the other. And the higher I reached, the more I got. But he says, I now realize that God's gifts are stacked on shelves, one beneath the other. And the lower we stoop, the more we get. The more we make ourselves a, ser- a servant, the more we'll be we blessed. Paul continues in verse 4. He says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We're all, we are all members of one body and each part, each of us belong to one another. That kind of jumped out at me because you see, in Christianity, there is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. There's no such thing as me and Jesus. I got my own thing going. I don't need anybody else. No, no, no. We're called to be part of the body of Christ. We're called to work together and encourage one another. In fact, I don't know about you, but sometimes my personality is the type. I like the saying that says, you know, the more people I meet, the more I like my dog. You know, some of, some of you are like that. You can resonate. Preach it, man. But, but that's really not what God has for me. Even though that would just be my normal personality. Just, you know, me and my dog, my wife. That's all I need. But God's saying, no, 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 Doug. You need other people. You need to be challenged. You need to, to be part of a faith community. For you see, when you serve, when you use the gifts God has given you, you worship. And when you worship in that way, God sees smoke rising from the altar as a sacrifice to Jehovah God. It's interesting in Romans chapter 12, where it says, and this is your spiritual act of worship. There are two Greek words used for worship in the New Testament. The first one is the most common. It's the word proskuneo. It means to bow before, to worship and honor God that way. But in Romans 12, that's not the Greek word that Paul uses. He uses the word laturneo. That means it's actually the word used to describe the priest as they would work at the temple and serve. It would be worship to God. And thus it means when you teach Sunday school or live group, you worship. When you greet, you worship. When you give, you worship. When you serve, you worship. And when we serve and work together as a faith community, it's worship. And that's why it's a sin to divide a faith community. It's a sin to separate yourself from the church or the faith community. We need each other. God has given you gifts that I don't have. And so we come together as the body of Christ. We have a message of grace and forgiveness that the world needs to hear. You know, I started this sermon by telling you we were dispatched to that fire. You guys, as we got closer and closer to that fire, we knew it was going to be huge. In fact, if you're familiar with the fire service, you might know that if you get on scene and need some more help, my my captain usually would have picked up the radio and contacted our dispatch headquarters. Paris was the town. And say something like, Paris engine 6171 on scene. We have 15 to 20 acres of burning vegetation. Start a second alarm. And then she would just send the next three or four closest engines to help us out. But you guys, that wasn't the case this day. We get closer and closer to this fire, and there's like three or four hundred acres. It's burning like crazy. And so my captain reaches over, he picks up the the radio, and he says, Paris engine 6171 on scene. We have three to four hundred acres of rapidly burning vegetation. Then he kind of pauses and says, roll the world, roll the world. And that wasn't some special code. He just made it up. But the dispatcher knew what he meant. And then all of a sudden you heard her. She started dispatching the the stations. Station 1, Station 5, Station 7, Station 10, Station 12, Station 22, Station 24, Station 28, Station 29, Station 33, Station 34, Station 36, fire then she started dispatching the engines. Engine 6180, engine 6184, engine 6179, engine 7, engine 7B, engine 1, engine 10, engine 10B, engine 10A, engine 12, engine 22, engine 23, engine 23B, engine 28, engine 29, engine 29B, engine 33. Battalion 6114, battalion 6113, battalion 6112, division 1. Respond to the vegetation fire, highway 79 in Gilmore Springs Road. And you guys, we fought that fire that day. And I remember we're up on the side of the hill and i look out and i see all these fire engines coming towards like the cavalry like Da-da-da-da-da. we're like yeah i mean it was strike team after strike team which was five engines and a battalion chief five engines and a battalion chief i mean it was it was crazy all the help and it felt so cool roll the world and you know when i think about it that's the message that went out from this country on september 11 2001 roll the world we need help it's the message that went out from the gulf coast In August of 2005, when Hurricane Katrina struck, roll the world, we need help. It's the message that went out from Joplin, Missouri, May 22, 2011, when the tornado took out a third of our town, roll the world, we need help. But you know, it's the message that God sends to his people and his church every day. Roll the world. You have the message of grace. And there are hurting people in your family and at your school and at your workplace that need to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Roll the world. God is dispatching you. The question is, do you hear him? Are you responding? See, it's so important to get connected. It's imperative that you become part of a, a church and a group to encourage one another. Because you see, Christianity is all about relationships. A relationship with the living God And a relationship with each other. And when you serve God and his people, you worship. And when you worship in that way, God sees smoke rising from the altar. And so here's the question. When God, the God of the universe, focuses in on your life right now, does he see smoke rising from the altar? Let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your love and grace. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we're not in this alone, that you've given us each other Empowered us by your Holy Spirit to help each other. That that we're a team, God. We're on Jesus' team. I just pray that you would bless everyone here. That we would be the smoke that rises from the altar. That we would live a life of sacrifice. And in turn be blessed by you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.